Awesome. All right, I'm going to pray, and then uh, you're going to get the fourth message of the day. <laughs> Father God, thank you um, for your goodness and for your love and, and how you see us. Um, Lord, I just ask that you uh, just speak today um, and, and just let your word stick and anything that's not of you just fall off and, and just go by the wayside. Um, just thank you for the opportunity of, of just knowing you uh, and being in relationship with you. Just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the last few months, I've been walking out this thing with God um, where it's really been catching me off guard and been kind of freaking me out. And he's been teaching me about his heart um, and what it looks like and how it feels, or how he feels and, and what makes him come alive. And one of those things that he's done is we're always told that Jesus comes into my heart and lives in me, um, but, but God also wants us to go into his heart. And, and one of those, it's just weird, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, but what is our response when we're invited into his? And God's heart is, is, is wonderful, and it's beautiful, and and it makes us feel really warm and really good and, and those kinds of things. But there's other aspects of his heart that we don't like going into. And that's what he's been teaching me about. <laughs> and, and there's that stuff and, and, and those emotions that we don't like to, to feel or talk about uh, or deal with. And, and there's that stuff that happens uh, and we don't know really how to respond correctly to it. Um, and that, that stuff that's really, really real, but what do we do about it? And one of those things that, that came to mind uh, is, is the grief of God. And, and I just want to touch, that, touch on that today a bit. Um, and there's, there's three memories that, just thinking about this, that, that came up, um, and specifically with my grandparents. And, and the first thing is, um, is, is fishing with my grandpa. The, uh, my grandpa was this, an amazing fisherman, and, um, and he had this gigantic old two-door Ford that was white and blue, which matched his uh, house, which was also white and blue, which matched his second favorite flag, which was the Finnish flag. And whenever you got into his car, you would have to just like jump over a bunch of different fishing poles and you were afraid you were going to get hooked because of just the amount of stuff that he had in there. He was, he was a junk collector and it was all junk, most of it. And I have this memory of fishing with him just down the road from their house, and I was, I was young, I was probably four or five, and, and I remember my grandma bringing us lunch, and kind of a typical picnic kind of lunch, and, and um, she had sandwiches and all that stuff, and, and she had these little pies that you get from the gas station that have this filling in them that's way too sweet. She found out that day how much I hate those, and I still do. The second memory I have um, is, is at my grandpa's funeral. And I was seven or eight, and the, the pastor asked everyone to sit down, and, and my grandma was still up at the casket, and, and she walked up there, and I was standing near it, and she, she went into the casket and grabbed him and hugged him and said, I love you, Johnny. And then she kissed him full on, deeply on the mouth, and it weirded me out for a variety of reasons. <laughs> Mainly because it was a dead guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's still kind of weird. <laughs> but it's also beautiful. 
and she was grieving. The, la- the last memory that stuck out was uh, when I was 15, my grandma was 72, and, and we got baptized together. Um, and it was a wonderful thing. And I remember having a conversation with her just after that about my grandpa's funeral and, and a, about what I saw. <laughs> um, and she told me um, that she was still grieving at his loss. And she wasn't grieving for herself. And she spent 50 years with the man. She said they were good years, mostly. Sometimes they got into it because they both had some dependency issues. And, and she told me that she grieved for what could have been. And she grieved over what, what they had hoped and longed for when they were young and, and walking into that in the, the later stages of life. And she grieved for the fact that he couldn't teach me to fish the way, the way he wanted to. And there's ramifications for that now because I hate touching fish. Except a bass, I can stick my fingers in the mouth. I've got no problem with that. And she grieved that he didn't get to see both her and I get baptized together. And she grieved that he didn't get to pass on things to his younger grandkids the way he did his older ones. And she grieved for what life could have been and for the difference it would have made. And, and, and she wanted to grow older with him and to see their kids grow into, into who they are now and, and for him to hold his great-grandbabies and, and to teach them Finnish swear words like he did me. And she grieved for him and what he missed out on because she knew how much life it would have brought to him. And at the time I heard that thought and this aspect of grieving, I just didn't connect it at all. And there's a lot more there than, than what I'm going to kind of present today. And, and grief is a really hard thing, but it's a really natural thing. And, and grief is not something that, that any of us like. Uh, and, it, and it is an emotion and it is an aspect of our heart when we are in deep distress uh, and it's no different for God. Genesis 1.27 tells us that we're made in God's likeness. Part of that likeness is our emotions and, and the state of our, our hearts. And, and one of those things is grief. But we're afraid to go after that stuff. So this morning I want to approach the thought of godly grief from two perspectives. One, uh, those who don't know God and don't walk with Christ. And, and the other, for those who do. Uh, and, and I was struck by my grandma's perspective, and, and she showed me much of her heart and how she, she was crafted when we had that conversation. She showed me even more how much I should grieve, but even more importantly, how the Creator grieves. And He grieves for what could have been. Genesis 6, 5, and 6 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of, his, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. I'm sure I read that before, but then I read it again, and it's just like, holy cow. This part of Genesis is right before Noah's flood, right before God descends, decides to, to, to cleanse the whole earth uh, and, and start over. And, and the people then were a mess, uh, and, and everything in their heart was evil, always it was a continually evil way of life. There was nothing good. There was no redemptive quality that he saw at that point, and there was no purpose in saving a diluted creation that had so much freedom. So God thought it was best to start over completely, and he did, and he still does. And he allows us to be a, a new creation in Christ and so that we are no longer diluted and weakened, but live in a fullness, strength, and growing toward uh, who he created us to be. For those who don't know Christ, 
laying down your life and, and turning from the garbage that you know is killing you. I suggest with the strongest conviction possible that you embrace relationship with him. And do it today. And this is why. The creator of the world is the one who made all the universe and all that is in it. He's the same one who made the beauty of the fall, not so much today, uh, the calm of a winter snow, and the one who brings new life every spring, and also the same one that made that wonderful ceiling, uh, feeling that you get when the sand's beneath your toes in the summer. He's the same one who caused a group of 12 individuals who were not good for much, if anything, to change the moral fabric of not only their society, but the entire, all of history. And he used them to do so much more. He's the same God who intricately has woven history together through incredible circumstance, who calls for the life of a child within the womb of his mother, and, and he's the same God who loves you. And this God who has done all this stuff, who knows the depths of the oceans because he measured them himself. That's in Psalms. Who knows the amount of the stars in the sky is the same God who knows how many hairs are on your head. The same God who loves you with an everlasting love, who has made a way for you to be brought back into relationship with him is, is only through Christ and nothing else. The same God who is so holy that he cannot stand in the presence of of sin, gave his own son so that he could stand in your presence and so that you could call him Papa and Daddy and have that relationship as a father and a, and a son or a daughter. This is the same God who has made a way of hope out of an insurmountable amount of guilt and sin into a way of life and freedom if we choose it. That's the same God, that God who is so gigantic and seemingly far off at times is the same God who grieves for you. And he knit you in your mother's womb. And he knows your hopes and your dreams. And he knows your faults and your fears and your shortcomings. And he knows it all about you. And he knows what you can be in him. And he knows what he has planned for you. But he still chose you despite all the junk that we all have. And for all eternity, he longs to be with you and you with him. And for every minute that you are not in relationship with him, he grieves for what could have been, even in that minute. And he wishes it could be easier. And he wishes that there was moments that you would just look at him full on in the face and see the fire in his eyes and be impacted by the love in his heart that he has for you. And that grief that he carries for your soul is incomprehensible. But even more unfathomable is his love for you. And that powers that grief, that causes him to grieve. And that love he has for you is breathtaking. And any amount of love that you have ever had or ever longed to have is nothing compared to the grace and the beauty and the acceptance of his, that his love offers you. He allowed his absolutely sinless, perfect son to die in your place so that you could know him more and that he could know you. He allowed his son to be rejected by those he came to save so that you could walk with him in a way where you could be fully known and also know him fully. He requires that you give your life to him and, return, and in return he will give you a life that's far different. 
but it's going to be better than you, anything you imagine. It's definitely not going to be easier. No doubt about that, especially in our time in history. And there's no guilt intended in this message at all. This is a thing of, of, of I hope it, it, it inspires hope in your heart of, of what is possible and what is plausible with God. And my hope is to show you that God's heart as a father grieves and longs and hopes for you to come to know him personally, intentionally, relationally, and experientially. And he longs to see you become who he made you to be with him along the way. It's an opportunity and a calling on every human in this room, every human who will ever be born and every human who has ever lived to be called a son or daughter of God. They have the opportunity to to be known and to be loved and to be accepted and forgiven no matter what their history is and no matter what their circumstance is. And for those who are walking with Christ and and who have walked with him, who know the Father, I, I just want to speak to you pretty plainly today. Do you grieve with God? Do you grieve over those who do not know him? Do you grieve over the prodigal sons and daughters uh, who, who we all know and who we all were? Do you grieve over yourselves and the places with him you know you are not willing to go because you're too afraid? I found myself caring for things that I think God would want me to care about when really, in reality, He doesn't care if I care about them or not because they're not the things that he's actually caring about. Do I invest in love the way he loves? I don't like thinking about that. It's extremely challenging. It means that I have to lose to my I have to I have to lose myself and what I deem as important and and lay aside my own desires uh, for for some things uh, usually much more uncomfortable, selfless and often undignified. It's exactly what Christ did. Isaiah 53.3 says this about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. He did things that made people look at him with disdain for how extravagant his love was. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. It's what he did, though. Are we willing to do what Christ actually asks of us in loving those who are unlovable? But then what is love? Is it just being kind, nice, and hospitable? Is it also calling a spade a spade Uh, and and ironing, sharpening iron and and facing the facts that living in community isn't just about having fun but of challenging uh, each other in our our walk with him, in our ideas of how life should be and standing up for what is right by God even though it may not be the nicest thing, though it is truly kind. What about the state of the church, Jesus' bride? Have we become comfortable Have we become powerless in impacting our culture around us so much so that we take in and mix in so much of the world and we think it's being spiritual? We know it's being spiritual, but it's not the same as being godly and holy. Have we not on some level forsaken our first love but made other loves 
things that are truly good, just a little bit higher on the priority? These are a lot of questions that may have nothing to do with the grief of God on the surface, but, but understand that, that it ties together. These are aspects of God, and there are parts of his heart and, and his interest and his longing to connect with us. And if we don't acknowledge this stuff, if we don't really look at, at what's in our heart in order to respond to his, we're going to be missing out. And we need to walk out what he walks out. And, and, we need to grie- and, and he'll be grieving over us, and we will be missing out on what his desires, goodness, and fullness offers us. And we will miss out on life with him. But in all things with God and through Christ, there is an assurance of something beautiful to come out of something ugly. Our hope doesn't end with the grief of God. The grief of God, I think, can be summed up in this. It is a hope-filled burden. And he placed a burden and responsibility on himself when he created people. And he placed a burden and responsibility on himself when he gave us the decision to choose sin or choose holiness through Christ, when we could choose life or choose death. And he placed a burden on himself and on his son so that we could choose better. So that we didn't have to make a choice that we would regret looking back, thinking what might have been. Rather, he made a way for us that was better, fruitful, and actually brought life to our death. God's way of grieving, even when it doesn't look like it, is hopeful. And it's only because of Christ. And repentance, for the first time, repentance changing our life and turning around from what we've been doing, whether it's the first time or the millionth time, brings hope and restoration. And not just for ourselves, but also to God's heart. In his hopeful burden, in his grief over his creation, what is causing you to hold back from going to that place with him? Second Corinthians 7, 9, and 10 says, As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. God does grieve. God the Father of all creation grieves for your soul. No matter if you don't know him personally or you have walked with him for years and you're just not going to that place that he wants you to go to. He grieves for that. He grieves and longs to walk with us in such a depth that it is the scariest thing in the world for us. It is also the most life-giving, peaceful, crazy, amazing, fun, and ridiculous journey that you will ever take. I just want to take this one, one step further. I want to challenge those who are, are followers of Christ, who, who proclaim that, to ask God for two things. What grieves his heart in the world and what areas of your life he grieves over? And then grieve with him and respond with him. And don't just care what you think God cares about, but actually care about what he's caring about. God's grief does not extend to light-skinned people and button-down shirts. God's grief, love, and hope extends to the same people 
who are cutting off journalists' heads in Iraq. His grief extends to Hamas and to the Jews. And despite the, ra- uh, the human race's abhorrent way of doing life, no matter the race, religion, or ethnicity, he grieves for his sons and daughters. And he grieves for his creation. I don't like what's going on over in the Middle East. And it personally affects me on some level, as it does us all. But I can't help to think that God hurts when he sees what those people are doing to other people. Because he knows what he made them for, and it is nothing remotely close. But it is also no different than when we sin here and when we're prideful, no matter what it looks like. Sin is sin, and it causes death, and it causes separation from God. And he grieves over us all. But we have to take a stand with him and a response from his heart toward this. And he grieves for those who don't know him, but also grieves for those who know him, have walked away and have allowed fear to cripple them in light of calling on their lives. Calling to love in a way that is scary for everyone, to provide a kindness that is like nothing on the face of the earth, to walk in a peace despite that walk being painful at times, and to live in community that challenges, encourages, rebukes, loves, and grieves together. In my notes, there wasn't really anything about ISIS. But there's something that we need to... We need to respond in prayer to what's going on in our world. Not just because it affects our borders, and not just because it affects our way of life. This is a lot bigger game than any of us can anticipate. This is a historical event, what's going on. And not just because it's over in the Middle East and they're trying to come here that they've been doing for the past 15 years. We need to pray about this. We need to grieve with God over this and respond according to his heart. I kind of want to bring it back full circle. I like fishing, but I hate touching fish. I got cut when I was a kid by the gills of a fish, and that's why. I hate those little pies that you get at the gas station, but I always smile when I look at them because of the memory of sharing life with my grandpa. I don't always like where God's leading me. I didn't really like the thought of this message today at all. I don't know what he has in store for any of us. All I know is that his heart for you is wonderful. So wonderful that when, when you are out of step and I'm out of step with him, he grieves for what could have been, even if it's just for a moment. And he made you for something that no one else can do. That's how unique and how crafted you are, that you fit perfectly into what he's called you to. And you fit perfectly into the relationship that he has with you, that he wants with you. He grieves because he cares. 
And he grieves because he knows who you are and who you were created to be. Worship team, you guys come back up. Grief is something I think we probably all have experienced, whether it's a, a, a dream that's gone to the wayside or, or, or a family member or a friend who, who has passed away. Grief isn't about us. It needs to be about where, we're, where God's fitting things in and what he's up to. And so I just want to extend this invitation of, of if you don't know Christ and personally, just walk it out with him. I don't, whether it's walking up front, I don't care, walking home and, and making things right with him, it's not hard. But the steps after that is telling someone you know who's brought you here and saying, hey, this is the decision I made. What do I do now? You get connected with people who will pray for you, who will grieve with you. And if you've been walking with the Lord, man, this grieving thing's hard. And it takes a lot out of you, but it is so worth it. So, Lord, I just ask that your, your word goes out and that it's just seed in people's hearts and that it's just something that just grows up and is fruitful uh, for, for everyone else to, to know you are good. Lord, I just ask that you just continue to plant seeds in our hearts to, to realize how close you are to us. And I just ask that you just bless everyone here and, and send them out with a hope of how much you love them and bring them back with a, a testimony of how much you love them. We just thank you, Lord. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.